Welcome to Orpanini. This is Saratova Best. We are learning about Hanukkah. And yesterday we talked about donuts. You know, how do you find mystical secrets? How do they embed? How does Hashem embed mystical secrets in a donut? But he does. And so for that, we have to listen to yesterday's class. Today we want to know what the connection is between Hanukkah and oil and the oil of Tyra. No. So the oil of the oil of Tyra and oil. So Hanukkah, the truth is that Hanukkah is a yuntif that it's not actually it's it's in a lower time of history. It's 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 not at the time of the base of Migdish, but the second the first, but the second base of Migdish, and in a time when uh there was a huge spiritual holocaust going on. Maybe maybe one of the most profound in all of history. And um it's not a yuntif that comes in the written Torah, etc. And yet, so what we have is a dark, an extremely dark, spiritually dark time. And yet what emerges and what's happening on that yuntif is tremendous illumination, illumination, spiritual illumination at the same time. So it's very dark, but it's very light. And we just actually recorded a share about dancing in the darkness, about the dark and the light. So what is that? What's that all about? So it turns out that the Seder of the revelation of Tyra um, is in a way that the stronger the darkness, the more the light. So here, here, here's the thing. How do you have this darkness and light converging at the same time? The deepest spiritual light as embodied by the oil of Tyra. We said yesterday, well, you we have to listen. There are four different foods that we eat, bread and water which corresponds to the revealed part of Tyra, which is, corresponds to the revealed light, you know, the necessities, the basic necessities, and then there's wine and oil, which correspond to the secrets, and then the deeper secrets, and the the Einig the, the of Tyra, um, the, the deepest secret. Let's say that the deepest secret of Tyra is how delicious it is. In other words, the deepest secret of Tyra, someone once said the deepest secret of Tyra is that Hashem's deepest secret that he doesn't, hasn't, didn't tell anybody in, you know, for many generations was who is Mashiach and everything about Mashiach. But, and the deepest secret of Tyra is about the intense pleasure that Hashem has in his relationship with us and the intense pleasure that he has stored there in his relation in the relationship that he offers us with him that if we play our cards right in learning we can experience a taste of that intense pleasure that's one of Hashem's deepest secrets uh, what does it have to do with the oil of Tyra greasy food tastes better not too greasy but fat fat free diets um, you have to be on a diet to do it Right? Nobody, you know, there's a reason why people do fat, fat-free diets and they don't do, do it forever. Um, the whole industry selling fat-free food, well, what do you mean? It's a specialized industry. You have to pay more. Why do you have to pay more? Because nobody wants it. So somebody has to stop what they're doing and um, make, especially make fat-free food because nobody else wants it. Well, why, right? So... <laughs> there was a there was a place 
in Montreal that was a certain delicatessen that was around for decades and um all the uh, you know all of the uh the successful Jewish businessmen would pull up to this decrepit place in their Cadillac and they would get a sandwich there and it was something like 49 cents for the sandwich but it was 59 cents if you want it without mustard not with mustard without mustard was 51 cents with 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 mustard was 49 cents and the reason was that they had to stop what they were doing and make sure to not put in mustard so they had to charge extra so fat free food means you have to stop what you're doing normally you put fat in food because it's yummy tastes good satiety value pleasure so back to that the pleasure of our relationship with Hashem the pleasure of our relationship with Tyra is exemplified by physical oil well there we go what do you think the Greeks were happy about that imagine you're a Greek and you're into intellectuality you're into learning and you pride yourselves as being big intellectuals who are um, uh, exploring, you know, the most avant-garde um, uh, parts of uh, life and truth. Are you going to be happy? And by the way, it says that Alexander the Great, he was intrigued by the light of Tyra. He was intrigued by Tyra. He was just fascinated by Tyra. There's a reason we'll see in a second. Now, so if you were a, a, the Greek Empire, and you knew that you're fascinated by knowledge and understanding and truth and all this other stuff, and there is this people that have the real deal, and you have the cheap copy, would you be happy? No, you would not be happy. You'd be very angry at them. In fact, you try to get what they have. You know, quite honestly, uh, one of the reasons we're struggling with what we're struggling with in the world today is because of China. Because one of the things that China did, as our president told us, I mean, we didn't, you know, you know, everybody knows that. They stole all the goodies from everybody. They stole intellectual property, right? Anything that you do, everybody knows. Anybody opened up a, opened a, a, a company and they made handmade mm, leather couches. So everybody knows that China would figure out how you made your couch and you were charging $3,000 for your handmade leather couches or, you know, handcrafted, and they would make a Chinese copy of it for $300 and sell it at Walmart. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that that's what China did. They saw all the yummy goody stuff, goodies that everybody in the world worked hard to create, and they stole it. They stole the secret and said, we can make it cheaper and better, and we're going to steal every all the goodies that you have and take all the fun out of everything. Why should somebody, you know, why should somebody spend $500 on leather handmade shoes when they can just mass produce the Chinese cotton? Everybody knows that. So that idea, the Greeks are looking at us and saying, you have the tainug of Tyra. You have the delicious oil you know, oily, delicious relationship with truth, with understand, with dasa with understanding God and understanding truth. You have it. We want it. 
you know, it's before Chinese stuff, but it's the same old thing. It's interesting, right? That <laughs> it's called Yanika. Yanika Sakhatain. It's called Yanika. You siphon off the best stuff. So the Greeks came in and did that. They went after the oil. The oil is the fun part of all the food. The oil is the fun part of 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 studying. The oil is the fun fun part of the relationship with Hashem. It's the essence of things. It's it's the yummy part. It's the pleasure part. So it's so why the Greeks got to do this? We understand anybody, the Chinese do it now. So why did the Greeks have the ability to do it? Lots of people want to steal all your goodies. Not everybody can. You have to be top notch to be able to, you know, steal steal all the secrets. What did Greece have that enabled them to steal all these secrets? So it says, "Hayavanim hayubachinas chachma v'klipa." They were chachmas klipa. They were chachmas chakainis. They went after chachma. They saw chachma. They saw wisdom, and they went after it. And the reason they could go after it is because they were Chachma de Klipa. So they were able to. What does Chachma de Klipa do? It goes after Chachma de Kedusha and it siphons off all the goodies. And at that time, they were great philosophers and they were very deeply involved in the Vua. And the Chachma of the Greeks was proliferating. Everybody was into Greek philosophy. And what did they want to do? To siphon off all the goodies from the Chachmas HaKabbalah. They saw that the Jewish people have something that nobody else has. This relationship with Hashem that defies logic. They were used to a reality in which if something makes sense, you do it. If you, if, if something, if you get something good out of uh, a relationship with God, you pursue that relationship. If you get no benefit, you stop pursuing that relationship. That is called normal in the world. What they couldn't stand and what nobody could stand, neither could Paro, nobody could ever stand that, and they still can't stand that about us, is that when it doesn't pay, doesn't seem to pay logically for us to have a relationship with Hashem, we just keep on going anyway. The illogical peace, that's what they couldn't stand. And they were trying to figure out, because, now, now take very simple people, very simplistic enemies. They see that you have something that they don't like. They just hate, they hate you, and, and they don't even know why. You know, like we see in America today, you know, most of the Democrats, they, they don't know why they, they don't have a philosophy. They just hate the other philosophy. So it's just, raw, very, very grub, peasant type of hatred. It's it's like, God forbid, in the days of the pogroms, like this peasant, unsophisticated hatred. They don't even know why. <laughs> the TV told them to hate. But when you're talking about intellectually sophisticated people, so intellectually sophisticated people sense that if you have something intellectually that they don't have, that they can't stand. They consider themselves the top philosophers and the top intellectuals. And yet you have all of that, that stuff, but you have one more piece that they cannot wrap their heads around, and it drives them crazy. 
I mean, to, to be quite honest, I remember, you know, 40 years ago, I remember I would sit in shul, and I saw all these people, and it was a very normal shul. It was a young Israel, and, you know, Canada, very controlled, and there were all these people who were Shabbos observant, and they looked very, very normal. They didn't look Hasidic, and they weren't wearing kapas, and they weren't wearing hats. They were just, you know, plain guys, yarmulkes, this, that, plain ladies. They looked 100% normal, like all the people I've seen on the street. But they had this extra piece of keeping Shabbos, which didn't make any sense. It just, it was something that was outside. They were like everybody else, plus this thing. They kept Shabbos. And they couldn't figure out why normal people were keeping Shabbos. And I was intrigued by this extra piece they had that nobody else was paying attention, that nobody else was doing. Why? If they're normal, if they weren't normal, I understand. Weird people keep Shabbos. But they were normal. And they're keeping Shabbos. What was that? And so I had to pursue what that piece was that drove them, motivated them to keep keeping Shabbos when normal people don't. That's level. That's what the Greeks wanted to know. The Jews are intellectuals. They have this incredible system of study. It's called the Torah. It's amazing. We ourselves learn that Torah. It's amazing. But we know when to stop. When we, you know, when we get to the point where we can't understand, we, you know, that's where we stop. We said the Greeks, we base everything on what we can understand as intellectuals. The Jews are also intellectuals. But then they get to this point where they stop being intellectual and they're just raw faith. And like, what is that? And, and, and they probably felt like it, it, it's degrading to intellectualism that these Jews pose as intellectuals and then all of a sudden they become like peasants like it's just based on raw faith and they don't even know why they believe it and they were going crazy seeing that piece in us they couldn't stand it i i i'm going to even assume that they probably felt like it was a an insult to the world of intellectuality and not only that but the jews were an insult to the world. If Jews are all peasants and they can't think and they don't know how to study and they, fine. But don't be a part of our world of intellectuality and then you have this part where you, you don't know why you believe what you believe. It was, they couldn't stand the conflict. So they needed to get rid of that part in us. They didn't want to get rid of us totally. I guess they probably sensed that if they get rid of us, somehow though, the Torah will evaporate with us and they want to study Torah. They wanted the goodies that we have, and they knew that we have access to the goodies, and we're going to study more goodies of Torah, so they're going to have more good stuff to study. So they knew that they couldn't get rid of us, because this is the best, you know, the best info around that they really were intrigued by. But they needed to get rid of that um, that piece of us that just didn't fit. So what was that piece? Amuna in Hashem and his mitzvahs. That's above Chachma, outside of the realm of Chachma and understanding. They needed to just cut out that piece and burn it up, you know, that's it, throw it in the fire, burn it up and get rid of it. And then we would fit into Greek society. And that's why they worked so hard to get us to fit into Greek society, put us into their box and control us. Sounds familiar now, right? Here we are in America 2020. Put us into their box and control us, right? 
so that we think the way they want us to think without that little piece that's so annoying that they couldn't understand or deal with. Because they probably, and by the way, that's what's happening in the world today. And it's possible that the whole thing with the vaccine, by the way, was really created just for Jews. And wanting to give it to the whole world is just a decoy. Because why do they need to control the rest of the world? What's the big deal? The most annoying part of the world is the Jew who has this piece that nobody can fit into a box that has annoyed every single nation throughout history. So it is very possible, it's a new conspiracy theory, that the whole vaccine is really created for the Jewish people, but they don't want it to be so obvious. So, you know, we're in different times now. It's supposed to be democratic times. So they make it seem like they really want to vaccinate everybody. They just, it's interesting. Where is the first place now that is imposing the vaccine first and foremost? The land of Israel. Ba 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 Right? We don't know, you know, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but they want us in a box where they can control the way we think. Because we've annoyed enough nations for 4,000 years, they finally want, this is the final solution. They don't need, we're at a point in history where the world recognizes the Jewish people have stuff to offer the world, the world can't manage with the Jews. Been there, done that. But that peace of Aleph, Beis, Gimel, and Munin, Betachem, Geula, gotta go. That's the way the world feels. It's the last attempt at the final solution to get rid of that peace in the Jew that doesn't fit into the box of the globalist. And they're very determined. And it's very simple. How do we know what to do? We follow what the pattern that they followed at the time of Hanukkah. Right? In a way, it, then it was a spiritual holocaust. It wasn't a physical holocaust. It was a spiritual holocaust. Same thing in Stalinist Russia. So here we are in the middle of a, a, a spiritual holocaust again. And what did the Yidden do? They went with total Messiris Nefesh. They would not let themselves be put into a box. They went with total Messiris Nefesh. And somehow the whole thing turned around. So here we go. So now what did the Greeks do? In order to try to get us into a box, in order to eradicate that illogical Emuna piece in us, right, the Aleph based Gimel, if only they could get rid of the Aleph based Gimel piece in us and just keep us as intellectuals, just chop off that little piece, that little appendage, what did they do? They said, well, they sensed that it has something to do with the oil. They sensed without really, I don't think that they had learned enough Kabbalah to understand that oil is a counterpart of the essence of Mashiach. But we know that, right? Mashiach is anointed with oil. And he stands on Harazetim. He stands on Harazetim, the Mount of Olives, olive oil. Everything about Mashiach and the spark of Mashiach in us is connected to oil. Oil is the physical counterpart of the spiritual oil, the essence, the Mashiach part of us and of Tyra. It's all one thing. The oil of Tyra. As we said last, yesterday. The oil of Tyra. The pleasure of Tyra. The real goodies. The relationship. The yummy, delicious, delicious relationship with Hashem. The, the oil of Tyra is the, 
the deepest secrets, the Hanukkah Menorah that you light with oil. So therefore, they sense the Greeks that they have to defile the oil. Where? In the base of English, over the top. If you want to get rid of this extra piece in the Jew, go to the top. Go to the place of the Holy of Holies. Go to the most holy part of it. You know, go to that and take the oil, which is what? What do they use the oil for? What did the Yidden use the oil for? To spread their disease, which we call a myla, to spread, spread their life to the whole world. Well, if you were a Greek, wouldn't you think, okay, first thing we need to do, we need to get rid of that piece in the Jew. Second, we may have to make sure they have no global influence. Cut them off of Twitter. Cut them off of Facebook, right? Uh, cut them off of what are all the other things, Instagram, you name it. Completely shut down all their social media um, outlets. Make it impossible for them to communicate with the rest of the world. Sounds familiar? What would that look like? Today we know, you know, you, you, you cut off all social media, etc. You use the media to make sure that the ones who have the light of, of truth cannot send it out to the world, cannot communicate with the world. Right? So what did that mean in Greek times? They didn't have social media. And they didn't have, right, they didn't have media, the cloud. So what did they do? They understood. Wait a minute. The menorah, the menorah in the base of Mezush, it's spreading light to the whole world. It's the interface between the Jews' illogical light that we as the Greeks can't stand and the rest of the world. We need to cut off the connections. We need to cut off their ability to, to affect the world. So what should we do? Don't give them any oil for the Manaira. Okay. Or even more intense. Imagine, they were so sophisticated, the, the Greeks. They even said like this, you know what? Let's let them light the Manaira. I mean, let's take a counterpart. Let's not cut off their social media accounts. Let's let them tweet and Facebook and everything and Instagram and all this and send out posts and speak to the media. Let's let them... Let's just defile everything, mess up, change the message that they're saying so that somehow this person sends out a tweet and as it's going out, the wording gets changed and it sounds like he tweeted something different. Let's just, let's just mess up his tweet. Let's not tell him no more tweeting, no more Facebook, no more this. Let's let him do it. Let's just mess it up so that what he says comes out sounding the opposite of what he meant. Pretty easy to do, right? What does that look like in Greek time? Let's leave them. We'll leave them. We're Notice that when the Greeks went into the base of English, they did not take huge bags and steal all the oil. They didn't say, let's take all the oil so that they can't light their menorah. Nope, they didn't. They said, let them light the menorah. That's fine. I mean, if they ever get back into the base of English, right? We will, number one, we will take over the base of English, right? We take over social media. That's the song. We will, we will, the Greeks said, we will take over the base of English. And we will put the Greek touch 
on all the oil. We will touch all their oil. We'll defile it all. So that if they ever, ever, ever get back here, if they ever, ever light the menorah again, it will be with our oil that we touch, not with their oil. It will be with our oil that has our flavor. That's what we've been wanting as Greeks. Let them. The, the Jews seem to want to spread their light to the whole world. No, no. Let's use the Jews to spread our light. The light of the Greeks. The defiled light. Let, let them do that. It's brilliant. You have to be a Greek of the Greek Empire, who's a big intellectual, who can think clearly enough to figure that one out. Somebody who doesn't, somebody who's not intellectual can't think clearly. They just, the sword and boom, 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 chop off heads, God forbid. They're too unsophisticated to know anything. But the Greeks were philosophers and they could think better. You know, like today, the globalists, they know how to think. They know how to think. So they're thinking of plans that are very sophisticated. Right? Looks like they would win. Looks like the Greeks would win. But they lost. Because what the, well, what they did is the Lachain Timukalashimanim de Kedusha. So the Greeks came in and defiled all of the oil of the level of Chachmas Kedusha. So that they could do what? Lashkicham Tairasecha. To make you, for, the Jews forget that it's your Torah Hashem. Essentially, the Greeks said, we will cut the line, the connection between Tyra and Hashem. Just cut it. They'll learn Tyra like we do. And Hashem will float away like the air balloon that floats further and further up into the sky until it's gone. That's what they want. That's what they try to do. Unbelievable. Brilliant. And they believed that they would succeed. They thought with that extra little piece in the Jew and in Tyra, you can pretty easily eradicate it. They didn't know what they were dealing with. They didn't have any idea of the nature of that oil of Tyra. So what comes out is that the strengthening of Chachmas Yavam, Chachmas Klipa, was such was so strong. They really were on the way to succeeding. To do what? To make us forget that it's Hashem's Torah. To disconnect Torah from Hashem. How were they able to get so far on the, in their project? How did they manage? They, they, they achieved a lot. They almost got there. How? Who were they? You can't be some regular peasant who can just come along and do this. Ah, they had Yanika. They had spiritual, an ability to spiritually siphon off the, from the Chachma of Taira. Why? Because the Greek language is, even though in Sparm, in Taranavim, and Ksuvim, it really can't be written in any language other than Yavanis. As it says, Yafes, the three sons of Nayak were given a bracha, a kala, that there was Ham, which is Mitraim and, and um, Canaan, and Yafes, which is Greece and Persia, and Shane, 
which is Asa and Yaakov. So Nayach had told, had said about his three sons that Yaphas, Yaphas Yaphas, Greece and Persia, they really were created and their destiny was to assist in the tent of shame, assist Yaakov Avinu. With their beauty. Yafas is from, from, from beauty. Lashin Yavan, Yafas. There was a beauty. There was an intellectual beauty and there was a beauty to the Greek culture that, um, and to the language, the Greek language and Aramaic. It was created to add, to dwell in the tense of shame. And it was checked and it, we saw that Tyra cannot Tyra cannot be translated into, into other languages, but it could be translated at that point into Greek. And the difference was the Greek language is, was different uh, because there was a moment in history which gave spiritual power to the Greeks that nobody else was able to gain. What was that? That... Um, the, the Torah was originally translated into Greek by Ptolemy Amelech, uh, Ptolemy, and um, and what happened? Ptolemy Amelech put a bunch of Torah scholars in rooms and told them all to translate the Torah. It was a very difficult day. It was the opposite of Mahatma. It was a very, very difficult day. Everybody was told to do it. And every all the scholars got the idea instead of saying Bracious Bar what did did they write Bracious Bar Lakim or Elakim Bar Bracious? I don't remember. Oh, they wrote right. All the scholars who were put each one in separate rooms were all given the idea of Baruch HaKadosh. Instead of writing great in in the beginning God created, they all changed it and wrote God created in the beginning. Because the Greek scholars would say, aha, you see, there's something even more powerful than God, which is gracious, the beginning. After the beginning, then you had God. And so the scholars all wrote Elohim Bar gracious. But the point is, we're at a time now where translating Torah into many languages is a good thing. So why wasn't it good then? They got spiritual, unique, spiritual, what's the word, power. They got spiritual power over Tyra, not because they translated, but because it was the directive to, tr- to translate was not by Meisherbein. It was by the Greek king, Ptolemy Amelech, King Ptolemy. Once he was the one to decide, he was given spiritual power, some level of spiritual power over Tyra. When Maishar Abenu decided we will translate the Tyra into 70 languages, that did not give away the spiritual power of Tyra. It preserved it and even expanded it. But when Tommy Amelis did it, then it gave him some spiritual power. Um, um, and it was something extremely bad. So now you have 
a situation where because of that situation, which happened on the 8th of Tavis, well, okay, we're in the 8th of Tavis. As a result of this, down the line, the Greek Empire was able to siphon off and connect to Tyra and try to siphon off the best, the, the best part of Tyra, the essence connection. To make us forget that it's your Tyra. Who's your? Hashem, your Tyra. And we know that in the Indian of Tyra, that it's a great Chachma and a wondrous Seichel. The Greeks, of course, agreed. And they were very, very great scholars. They were amazed by the amazing wisdom in the Dinim of Tyra. And as we say, all they wanted to get rid of was that piece of Tyra's Habaya, Tyra's Hashem, the Kedusha of Tyra. That's all. Just that little piece. That little piece is the piece. Is the main piece. That little dot. That's all they wanted that little dot, you could say that little dot corresponds to that little cruise of oil. Just throw, just get rid of that cruise of oil. Notice that they, there was one cruise of oil that they never got their hands on. We'll, we'll say this in a second, sorry. The, the Greeks used the translation of the Torah to Greek to, to defile the whole Torah, to defile the Kedusha of Torah. So that, God forbid, so that it would just fall, it would fit into the box of another amazing philosophy belonging to Greece. Called Timu Kalashmenim Behecha. Here we are. Revisited. The globalists want to fit everything into their box. What we think, where we go, what we say, etc into their box. They want to be in charge of how the whole world thinks, of course, including the Jewish people. And really, as we say, they probably only want to be in charge of the Jewish people. They're just not saying that. We don't know who are we. But it's relatively likely. Everybody else is a decoy. Everybody has to fit into their box of how life, of how we're supposed to think. So, um, right, we said they went after the oil. Okay, so again, so here we have this miracle. It's a twofold miracle. One is, again, we understand the issue of the Greeks. So the Greeks realize that there's a physical counterpart to their battle. They want to fit all of truth into the Greek box. And only the Jews refuse. The Jews will fit themselves into the Greek box with this little extra piece that will never fit into the box. And therefore, the Greeks will do everything, just cut off that piece. You know, like in Stein, they, you know, people with the two long legs, they would cut them off, too short, too long, too this, too that. Cut it off and put them into the box. And Oh, yes. Right, 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 and so no room right. So Jewish people will give up their lives for this. So what is the miracle? So again, the first part of the miracle is that the Greeks say we can 
create, we can achieve what we want to achieve by fitting all of, all of ideas and philosophies in the world into the Greek box, except for those Jews. Okay, so we go into their holy temple and we find the oil, which is the counterpart of their wisdom and, and their deepest wisdom, and we even leave their oil there. We don't burn it all. It's interesting. The Greeks could have gone to the base of Mexico and burned all the oil so that the Jews wouldn't be able to spread their light out into the world. That's not what the Greeks did. They did not get rid of all the oil. They left it there. They said, let them use Greek oil. Let them try to spread their light out to the world. They won't spread their light. They'll spread our light, the Greek light, out to the world. Perfect. Leave them with their Menaira. Only one thing. There was one cruise of oil that, by definition, a Greek would never be able to touch. It was outside of his frequency. That's the piece. The very piece of Judaism that they wanted to get rid of, that illogical piece, that piece of the essence relationship with Hashem that you can never get rid of, that's the one piece that not only could they not get rid of it, they couldn't even see it. What do you think? They, like, they were very systematic. They went to every jar of oil and they defiled every jar of oil. What? Somebody was busy, uh, you know, sitting in the, like, they were too busy to find, like, oh, I never thought of that. I forgot to look in the corner. That's not what happened. They were very brutal. They looked everywhere. Why didn't they see the one little cruise of oil? Plunk! Their model of all the cruises of oil, you would think, let them not miss one. They left one out. You know, who was the Botlan who left one out? There's no Botlan there. It was very, very concerted effort. They didn't see that cruise of oil. Too pure for them. It's too pure for them. That's why when the globalists will look at us with their eyes, with, non, with non-Mashiach eyes, they can't see something that's on the realm of Mashiach. It doesn't exist for them. So it's got to be that the Greeks looked and looked. They found everything that they could find. The Mashiach oil, they couldn't see. They never would see it. So there it was. We could, we saw it right away. They would never have seen it. It's the essence, it's, it's the oil of the essence of truth, the essence of Hashem, the essence of Tyre, Tyre, Yisrael, Kuchibrichu, Kulachad, the essence of Mashiach wasn't available to them. So they did their job fully. And they walked away. Nobody did anything wrong. They, they got as far as a Greek could get. So the miracle of Hanukkah is number one that, in my opinion, that they couldn't, they couldn't access that, that cruise of oil. Number two, that we found it, that we could access it. And we're going to ask ourselves in a sec, second how we accessed it. And then, of course, once you access that oil, once you access that spark of Mashiach, you have touched infinity. You can do anything. You can illuminate all of time and space forever. That's the miracle. That's the, that's the miracle point. The spark of Mashiach. What do you think? Mashiach himself can't uh, mastermind where there's a hurricane in the world and where there's not and where the hurricane stops and where it moves. It's nothing. The laws of nature are like a, it's like toys in a playpen. Right? For the Jew, for Meishur Benu of the generation, even for every Jew... You know, mass is like controlling the laws of nature, like toys in a playpen. <laughs> what is it? Nothing. Once you're, once you're inside that cruise of pure oil, of course it's going to light up the world for eight days and beyond miraculously. Forever. It lights up the world forever. 
Whereas it's still lighting up the world. How long does that Menorah shine for? Eight days. What? Eight days. It's still shining now. Centuries. Never went out. Go to every, go to every house and every this and every that and every still shining. It didn't stop. It doesn't stop. It just got, if the Greeks had a plan, it just got worse for them. Because that little cruise of oil is all over the world now. It's too big for them to stop. They can know it's so big that the Greeks cannot get, wrap their hands around. It's no longer one little cruise of oil. It corresponds to the little spark of Mashiach in every Jew, but it's too big already. It went global. It went viral, 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 right? Corona, crown. The crown went viral. Too late. There's no putting it back in the box. There's no putting it in the globalist box, even with a vaccine. It's not going to work. So how do we activate? How did the Jews find that cruise of oil? Of course, the, the miracle was with pure oil. We found one cruise, you know, with the, the seal of the Kain Gadol. How did we find it? The Sirius Nefesh. We didn't just, remember, they were trying to, they said, just follow the rules of nature and stop going outside of the rules of nature. We said, no, 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 we're going to specifically stop to go beyond the laws of nature. We are good at one thing as Jews. We're not good at everything. Not every Jew is good at crocheting. Not every Jew is good at at playing harmonica. You know, not every Jew is good at at uh, cooking. You know, cooking souffle, making souffle. But every Jew is good at going beyond the laws of nature. Illogically, so every Jew. That's who we are. So. So when we have Messiris Nefesh and say, I'm going to live in that place of the, the, the spark of Mashiach, the Maida'ani in me, the, that spark of Mashiach in me, I'm going to live from that place. And I'm going to have total Messiris Nefesh. At that point, boom. All of nature changes. All the laws, everything changes. The enemies cower in fear because we just reached our power point. You have all these millions of Jews who all collectively reach their power point. Oh, my goodness. The world goes into panic. We should not be, I mean, I should speak from, I have to talk to myself. We don't need to be afraid of what's going to be happening to the world. They need to be afraid. Once we all unite with our spark of Mashiach in us, oh, my goodness. They better they better fortify themselves with, I don't know what, some vaccine that will, it's going to be a scary force. Unite under the banner of the crown corona of Mashiach, right? COVID-19, Dovid-19, 19th of Kislev, Yudtes Kislev. The, the spreading the, that, what is Yudtes 19th of Kislev? Spreading the, that, taking that, jar of pure oil, opening it, throwing it at the walls, you know, just sprinkling it everywhere, put, or really, really putting it in the Menaira, and then the Menaira starts to shine out into the whole world. The light of the Menaira goes viral, and it's too late for the enemies to control it. They can scream and yell and make noise, but it's too late. 
So the miracle came in this, that we found that cruise of oil with the, the, with the seal of the kind Gadol, and as we say, it lit up all of history. Of course, the technicalities were we needed seven days to go to the Galil and to, and to press new oil and come back. So until then, you know, in other words, the, the oil burned miraculously for eight days, and then we fit that miracle into nature which is the whole point. You sit in America, you sit in New York, you sit in Florida, you sit here, you sit there, you sit in California, and you fit the light of Mashiach into nature. So, to pull all this together, and the question is, why? Because the Gezeira was to make them, that they wanted us to forget that it's Hashem's Tyra, to, God forbid, as we say, um, uh, defile, defile, the very place where they were looking to defile the holiness of Tyra, the very place where they wanted it, they, they had, their targeted work was go to the oil and defile the oil, go to the essence of, of, of Tyra and defile it, go to the essence of a Jew and defile that, go to the spark of Mashiach and a Jew and defile it, God forbid. So Hashem said, that's where the miracle has to be. Where they want to defile, that's where we have to reveal the truth and reveal holiness. They wanted to make sure it's not Tyra Secha, that we forget that it's Hashem's Tyra. So then what we have to do is remember that it's Hashem's Tyra. And we have, and they wanted to defile the cruise of oil, all the oil. So what do we have to do? We have to find a cruise of oil that is with the seal of the Kayim Gavel. The highest level of pure oil that the Greeks cannot touch. And that, that's what happened. The miracle happened with that and, of course, the eight days, we know. Seven days beyond the one day. You take the one, the one spark of Mashiach, the one Jew, the one... The relationship of one, 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 the one kaidish the the one, the one moment, the one, the oneness, the unity, not only the unity of all Jews, but the unity within a Jew that he is one with Hashem. Take that one and expand it for eight days, for an extra seven days, bring it into nature. Uh. So to end off, and tomorrow we'll deal with um, how Hanukkah is connected to the essence of Tyra, the essence of learning, and what that's all about. But to end off with this, what we're saying today is that from the outside, from the opposition of our enemies, we actually have come to understand who we are. We don't always know who we are. We, We are... We as the Jewish people, we do not fit into the world. I mean, we have to fit into the world, but we are not the same as the world. We can't fit into their box. We shouldn't fit into their box. Their box is a box that has the limitations of nature. And Paro already tried it before we even received the Torah to say there are the laws of nature and everybody has to fit into this box. You're in my country in Mitzrayim. Over here, the laws of nature reign supreme. You have to fit into these laws of nature or else. 
There's no room for any other way. Everybody here complies. Notice the word comply. Everybody here complies in Mitzrayim. This was before Matan Tyrus. But Maisha Rabbeinu, who is the one who inspires in us and brings out in us that that spark of Mashiach in us, Maishul Gaelisha Gael Akron, he came along and he led the rebellion of non-compliance. Because we Jews are not supposed to fit into the box of the world. Not, not only just because, you know, we're different. The world will never forgive us if we finally give in after 4,000 years and comply. The world may, maybe in the past, didn't like us for the fact that we refused to fit into the box. But if we, every time we try to fit into the box, they hate us more. You know, as Rabbi Jacobson says, once upon a time they hated us, maybe for 3,000 years, 3,000 and some years, for 3,000 years they hated us, 3,300 and some years they hated us because we would not comply and fit into the box of nature. That's over. Now they hate us for a different reason. Now when we try to comply and fit into the box of nature, they hate us. Hey, you Jews are supposed to show us that there's something greater than fitting into a box. Boxes are boring. That's it? That's what you Jewish people have been around for all this time to just tell us that there's nothing much going on other than the, the box that we've created? Come on. You Jewish people are supposed to show us an example of what it means to have self-sacrifice, to never fit into that box, box of, of intellect, of, of rationality. You Jewish people represent the fact that there's something beyond rationality. There's this connection with God that's irrational, and you're willing to give your lives up for it. And if you're going to stop giving your lives up for it, we're going to hate you. So you better keep on living outside of the box and standing up for truth, because we're never going to forgive you if you if you stop. After all this time, we came to the last second where we're all, the, the non-Jews are saying, we're about to come over to your side. If anybody has seen these, I don't know what to think about these videos and these pictures of, you know, all these Arab princes and whatever, posing with the Israelis and, and then this crazy thing, I don't know what it's about, Palestinians dressing up as people from the Arab Emirates and want to pose, wanting to pose with Israelis in pictures and with their arms around each other. Like, what is this? I, I don't even know what to think about. But it's so strange and the Hanukkah celebration in, in uh, Dubai and all this, it's, it's, it's so, Weird. It's so weird. And all of a sudden they're, they're vying with each other for the, you know, for the ability, like, oh, we had a Hanukkah, we had a Hanukkah celebration in our land. You didn't have Hanukkah celebration in your land. Like, now they're like getting jealous of each other. Like, hey, they had a big Hanukkah party in, in, in this Arab country and you didn't say, you losers. What is this? Crazy. So they're at the point where they're ready to, like, we want to step into this out-of-the-box place, this appendage that you had, this extra thing about this relationship with God. We're ready. We're just about ready for you to take us there. Now you're going to give in and comply. Now you Jewish people are going to say, maybe 
We should just be like everybody else. What are you, crazy? Not the time. Not the time. <laughs> if you were going to give in, that should have been 3,000 years ago. It's too late now. Two and a half at Greek times. That was the time to give in. Persian times, Roman times. That was the time to give in. Now you're going to give in. Now we're telling you, you have to be a light to the nation. Now we're asking you, make a Hanukkah party in our, our country. Now you're going to say, oh, maybe it's not appropriate. Well, come on. So this all, so this whole battle now that the world is saying, the world is saying, we also want to have this thing. This is all now focusing around one cruise of oil. The whole world battle, the globalists and the vaccine and the elections and the this and the that. It's all, it all has one visual. You know, if you need to, you know, find a, a, a picture for, to express this whole battle in the world now, just the cruise of pure oil. That's it. It says the whole story, what's happening in the world. And we're the ones who have it. And they want us to have it. And we have it not only externally, like we have that oil, the oil, and we put it in, we have to, number one, find it in ourselves. Live in that place of the cruise of oil every second of the day, which is not simple. Possible, but it's not simple. And then light our personal manaira and our actual physical manairas and illuminate the world and get the whole world to comply to the truth that everything in the world is Enod Milvada belongs to Hashem. There is no other truth. Ein And the whole world is asking us to include them in this dance of Mashiach in the base of Shlishi, looking at the, that Manaira, so that the whole world will say Hashem Achad Achad. We'll find ourselves together with the whole world. Please God. This Rosh Chodesh, Tevis, this Hanukkah, in the base of Migdash Shlishi.